1: First thing, I just want to say massive congratulations! It's uh, a, an incredible achievement that you've uh, you've you've just you've just done. Um, what's next? Do you climb Kilimanjaro or exploring the, uh, the <laughs> North Pole next?
0: Yeah, not sure next. Not sure. Let's see what uh, what presents itself
1: to me. Brilliant. And now, are you in Rio right now? I saw I saw um, an Instagram post. I was just I, I didn't know how old it was of, of uh, you and Jose Aldo. Yeah, I'm
0: actually at his gym right now. Oh, right. Jose's just left.
1: Okay, okay. How was all that?
0: Awesome. Awesome, yeah. I joined on the wrestling practice this morning and, uh, yeah, grappled with uh, with Aldo a little bit and uh, with Johnny Eduardo, who's also on the upcoming uh, card in Las in Vegas. So it's great. Uh, just a fantastic gym. You know, they've got a, just a, a real depth of, uh, of experience. There's a jiu-jitsu class going on on one side now. They've got a boxing class on the other side. So. Yeah, it's a, a really good gym, really good place to be uh,
1: preparing. Just to get back to your uh, your trip that you've just been on, was it 5,000 5, miles, is it? Something like that, isn't it? 5,000 miles? Yeah, about
0: 5,500,
1: yeah. And you did that, was it one or two months training you were given before you did this? Uh,
0: I did one month. I did four weeks. And then, uh, and then the, the race was four
1: weeks. So, how does an experience like this sort of change you as a person? Because I, I can imagine you've, you, you know, you've experienced things in the last few weeks that you would never have experienced before, right?
0: Yeah, most definitely. I mean, th- there are so many different phases you go through, so many different emotions. I mean. You know, the, the first one is you get on the boat. The race start, and we we sailed down the Thames, and there was, you know, there were people all the way along the Thames waving us off and, and cheering, and we had spectator boats, and so we we knew that it was something quite you know quite special that we were doing. But then, as soon as race started the next morning, uh, we left South End think uh, It was noon. We started. Um, it, I was mean, very dramatic. You know, we got twelve boats, and we're all trying to edge ahead of each other. Sail changes going on. Big waves. People getting drenched and. But then as soon as we got into the channel, we started to lose sight of the boats. And then that was that was quite a difficult thing for me because I'm used to competing with someone that's standing right in front of me. So to be competing against a, a fleet of boats that I can't see and, and, and to know that I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm effectively locked in for, for four weeks because no matter what emotions you go through, no matter how desperately you want to get off the boat, there's no way off. I mean, we had a guy that uh, 10 days before the end of the race uh, broke both bones in his forearm and was, was on the boat for, for 10 days with a, with a, you know, a makeshift splint, basically. Wow. So it's, you know, there's not the option to get off and, and you kind of, you have to face that and you have to, to kind of keep giving yourself a, a bit of a pep talk and and, uh, and convincing yourself that, you know, you just got to focus on being in, in the moment, being present and, and, and focused on saving the boat more than anything. It's for the for destination.
1: Presumably on a crew like that, everyone has got preset roles. There are certain people who have designated certain roles on the boat. What was your specific role on the boat?
0: Well, we started off without any roles. Um, I mean, there are, there are uh, you know, we had the skipper and then we had two watch leaders for each of the shifts. Um, so they, they had their, their set roles. But to be honest, we just, you kind of fall into the roles that you're most suited to. Um, I'm, I'm effectively the hired muscle on the boat. So it was all, you know, working the grinder, sweating up the sails and then, because I like the adrenaline rush. I'm the guy that's out on the bow sprit doing sail changes and up the mast doing rig checks. So uh, I'm doing kind of the extremities of the boat. Um, I did do a lot of helming. I'm not not very good at staying focused on on steering and constantly oversteering the boat. So I stuck with my strength, which was basically the the more physical stuff on the boat, and I enjoyed that far more. Um, And then other people fall into different roles, you know, maintenance roles. We had a, a guy that was an engineer that was fantastic at, Uh, repairing the water maker and and the generator and anything that was was not not going very well. Um, So, you know, you just kind of naturally fall into the roles that you're strongest at. Um, And because, you know, during the the training levels, it was about learning every role on the boat. But when it comes to race, you need to be doing the things you're most proficient at to get the boat moving as quickly as possible. So we all kind of accepted what roles we fell into and, and, and did our best at what we could.
1: You talk about the sort of physical side of it, and that's obviously where, where your experience lies, if you like, you know, you're used to that side of things, and, and you've touched on part of the mental aspects of being on a trip like this, now I know from uh, from reading your blog, you obviously mentioned about the uh, the tragic loss of a crew member of one of the other boats, um, how, how did that get communicated to you guys on the boat, and what was the reaction on the boat to, to that news?
0: Um, well, the first thing that happened is uh, I was actually on the 6 a.m. shift. So when we woke up, we found out that there was a, uh, a, 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 that the media was locked down. There was no communications back and forth to the race office other than the skipper. Um, and we assumed that something had happened on one of the boats. We didn't understand the severity of it at the time. But when more information came through a couple of hours later, um, it hit the crew hard, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, even the people on the boat that didn't know Andrew uh, were, were feeling it because you kind of forget that you're competing against each other for a minute. You know, although, we, although we're although we we're 12 boats and we're 12 crews, we're effectively a fleet of boats of one big crew. I mean, there are 690 people that crew the boats throughout the race. And, and we're all a part of the same thing. Uh, so he effectively was one of my crew members as well. And uh, I remember speaking to him uh, during the training levels. Um, he was a, such a friendly guy, full of energy, big MMA fan as well. He talked to me about my GSP fight. Um you know, and it just kind of puts things into perspective how uh, how treacherous the environment is that we're in, how unpredictable the weather is that we're in, and how that can affect the environment around us. And and also, you know, how close you become to people within a, a few days of their company. Um, I thought I was going to struggle with being around people for you know for a month for you know 24 hours a day and, and being in close quarters and stuff, but. You, you become more of a family than anything else. You know, you're looking out for each other and you want to keep each other safe. And, and when you hear a boat lost a crew member, immediately you think about the people on your boat and, and how you would feel if, if, you know, if you were in the same situation. And uh, it's, it's just, it's a terrible situation. But also, you know, we're getting on the boat now in the risk. You know, we know how dangerous it is out there and, and we're doing it because of the challenge. So, you know, with, with the challenge comes the risk. And, and it's, it's unfortunate that Andrew didn't make it to his destination, but uh, it, it certainly... It
1: certainly will be remembered. Yeah, I mean, I can't even begin to fathom what you know what it must have felt like on the boat when, when when that news came through. That bad news aside, what what was the what was the hardest part of that trip for you? Was there a specific point during the journey where where you know you you were at your lowest point and you found it particularly tough? Uh, yeah,
0: I would say it was probably uh, probably just over a weekend, um, and it would have been around the same time as we got that news, but. Um, more than anything it was when sleep started to catch up with me because i'm used to having complete control of my training camps. you know i get a good nine ten hours sleep a night and do two training sessions and in between i'm, I'm making my own food so i know i'm eating the things that i want to eat and that, that refuel me whereas when you're on the boat you handle that control over um you know i was i was being woken up three times a day to, to start a shift and uh, the food was a struggle for me to get used to because you know I, I only eat generally when I'm feeling like I'm hungry and when you're on the boat you, you're handed food at the right times for, for your shift, so that was a, that was a struggle. Um, but when, when fatigue starts to set in and, and you know I, I was down about two hours sleep a day, um, you, you start to kind of you know <laughs> you start to think about the destination more than anything and, and, and focus on getting to Rio. And um, when you're constantly looking at the uh, the, the tracker, and you knowing that you've still got another two weeks, another three weeks to go, it can really start to, to start to get to you. You can start, you know, feeling kind of short tempered with people and, and impatient, and, um, and it's just not helpful for the environment on the boat. So that you know, there were a couple of times I had to give myself a good talking to and, and remind myself, you know, what I've put myself through previously in my life, and that I can do this. You know, I, I will get to my destination, and and I can't forget every day in between. Um, and that was a lesson I got from training camps. You know, I'd, I'd go into a training camp starting 10 weeks out from a fight and every day I'd wake up thinking about the fight day and not thinking about that particular day of training and not staying present. Um, and I got into that habit on the boat and then, you know, after a bit of a talking to myself, I realised that if I just get up every day and focus on sailing the boat, the destination will arrive when it arrives and, and I'll, I'll be in a much stronger state of mind every day to just get up and give it my best. Um and certainly uh, what would, uh, you know, Andrew, uh, that, was a, that was a reinforcement of, you know, make sure you're enjoying the day that you're in, not, not thinking too far ahead and losing time as it passes you by, thinking about a, a distant goal.
1: Was there any opportunity for you guys, I mean, this, this almost sounds like a stupid question, but was there any opportunity to relax on the boat when you weren't on shift? What were you doing when you, when, when you weren't actually on duty and not sleeping? What were you actually doing on the boat to fill the time? Um well was there any uh, it it's kind of
0: difficult yeah the, the, although there is downtime, you know i mean i mean we do get we do get a few hours here and there to sleep and stuff the boats always moving and and the environment's always uncomfortable and after the first few days, the heat was was you know pretty insufferable, so there's nowhere you can go on the boat where you're not sweaty and uncomfortable or wearing a life jacket and clipped onto the boat um and dehydration was was a big issue as well we're always constantly trying to stay hydrated um But, you know, downtime, there really wasn't a great deal. You know, I spent a bit of time laying in my bunk, um, doing a bit of writing, and I spent some time in the sail locker meditating, because that was one of the quietest places on the boat. But then as soon as we got into bigger bigger seas, there's not a single place on the boat that's comfortable. You you just kind of have to brace yourself in a particular position or, um, you know, just, just kind of accept the environment that you're in. and. And try and ride it best you can, uh, but you never relax. There's never a moment, even when you're asleep, you, you're not you're not fully asleep. It's not a deep sleep because you, you're probably only going to get two or three hours, and then you know you've always got one eye open. You've always you've always kind of listening out for that man overboard cry, or you know there's a sail change that's gone wrong that needs extra hands. So you know always ready to throw a life jacket on and get up on deck and, and start sailing the boat again. Yeah. Um, so the actually you know the first day I actually got to rest was when I got to the hotel. and closed the door and just kind of crashed it's like yeah you know, absolutely exhausted um and you just you know you run on adrenaline for most of the time and uh, and, and conversation as well that was one one major uh, uh factor for motivation for me you know we had good conversation on the boat we all kept each other motivated
1: explain to us if you can the the uh, the emotion when you first saw saw land when you first saw brazil
0: uh, it was a little bit surreal um and, and strangely i mean i've been waiting for you know to see land since we left the since we left the uk um but when we actually when we actually saw rio it was a bit surreal and there was a hesitation to get off the boat even when we got into the, the marina um even when the boat was was moored up I, there was a bit of a hesitation to step off our kind of I, I don't know it was it was weird I, i'd become i don't know almost institutionalized <laughs> so that you kind of get used to your environment i used to the, you know, the, the dynamics around you with, with the relationships. And the idea of stepping off and stepping on off off the boat into a city like like Rio as well, where it's you know it's such a vibrant place, and there's so much going on. Um, it was a little overwhelming, to be honest. Um, it was nice to see Rio in the distance and, and to know that we were getting close. But when when the time came to actually sail into Rio and get off, uh, it, it was it was weird. Uh, there was there was definitely a hesitation there, and I, I definitely felt like a I want to stay on the boat for a bit longer.
1: Now you're back on terra firma, the, the thoughts, I guess, turn back to the uh, to the day job, and you've got you've got a live event to call in two weeks uh, <laughs> in, uh, in, in, in Dublin. Um, how do you even begin to sort of switch your mindset back to being sort of the UFC's analyst for, uh, for this sort of event?
0: Uh, it was on my mind quite a lot during the race, um, and you know, obviously I was missing all the live fights and stuff that were going on, but... Uh, I had a good look at the card before I left, and I, I knew, you know, the kind of fighters that I'd be looking at, and I'm familiar with a lot of them already anyway. So, I just, you know, I spent a lot of time while I was on the boat thinking about the fight, thinking about my job and about my role with the UFC, and, and you know where I can improve. Um, so I'm just, I'm very eager for, for fight, uh, fight night in Dublin. Um, I've been doing a lot of research this weekend, and uh, I feel like I've got a good idea of the main and co-main event. So. I'm excited to, to get back to London and start recording some shows for, for the event, and then uh, get out to Dublin. I, it's going to be an amazing event, and um, I'm, I'm just I'm eager to get back into it. I like to be in I like to be in, uh, I like to be in, in amongst the MMA fans and, and fighters. I feel very much at home there, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm ready to, to, to really kind of give it my all when we get to Dublin. I'm, I'm expecting a fantastic night.
1: It should be a cracker. Well, look, I've, I've taken up probably far too much of your time already. So thanks thanks so much for your time, Dan. And uh, I'll be over there in Dublin, so hopefully I'll grab, a, I'll grab a word with you over a coffee or something while we're there. Yeah, mate, that sounds
0: good. It'd be good to see
1: you. Great stuff. Thanks a lot, Dan, and congratulations again, man. That's pretty awesome stuff.
0: Cheers, mate. Thank you, mate. I'll speak to you soon.